Amen. So working through the book of Acts is what we're doing. And, and, and when we're working through the book of Acts uh, for this series, we're, we're, we're looking at prayer specifically in the book of Acts. We could go through the book of Acts and, and we, we could look at miracles in the book of Acts. It's a, it's a valid study. Uh, you could look at the five sermons that Peter preached and, and you would gain some insight and understanding from looking at those. You could look at the five messages that the Apostle Paul preached uh, and, and you would grow and you would be inspired. You could uh, be encouraged by the missionary work of the early church and uh, you could even see how as the church grew and in its influence and in its impact upon the culture that there was a, a need uh, that that more leadership be put in place, and you can learn from that. But you know, I think it's it's so vitally important that we have a vibrant prayer life, and and it's not just occasional, and it's not just when needs arise. But we understand first and foremost that we're called into this relationship with Christ, and that it's cultivated and it grows and it and can be nurtured through the means of prayer. And I, I'm a studier of the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I, I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't open my Bible and I read and I, and I just am so encouraged by, by what I read. And the more I read, the more I want to read. And, and throughout all the years of me reading the Bible, I, I have just never got bored with it. I, I never know where I know what's coming next. Even if I do know what's coming next, it's always alive and vibrant because that's what it is. It's, it's living bread. It's, it's nurturing me and feeding a part of me that, that really needs to be, uh, you know, uh, nurtured and taken care of. So I just love the Word of God. But, you know, if we could liken the Word of God unto, unto bread or unto manna, what, what could we liken prayer unto? It, you know, manna is necessary for our, our daily survival. If, if you don't have food over a, over a long period of time, uh, your physical body is eventually going to fail. And that's, you know, uh, that's just the, the end of that. But what's in, what could we liken prayer to if, if uh, consider it this way, it's like oxygen. It's oxygen. If you, if you don't have oxygen, it, the same thing happens. If, if I was to say, all right, I, I, I want you guys to hold your breath until you pass out, you'd be like, that, that just, that doesn't make any sense. That, that's crazy. But how many of us, you know, do that spiritually? We rob ourselves of this oxygen, of this, this, this necessary part of what keeps our spiritual life vibrant and what, what keeps us, you know, our pulse going. And prayer can be likened unto that. So we're going to be looking specifically at what did the church pray for. And as a reminder, the book of Acts, over 30 times, over 30 times, prayer is mentioned. That's, that's substantial. And, and almost in every chapter, multiple times in some chapters. And so let's, uh, let's just dive into our study and, and go to chapter 1. And we're going to, uh, to begin by just looking at the 24th verse. And there was, a, there was an upper room prayer meeting. We, we covered that last week. And, uh, and then in the midst of that, you know, Peter, uh, the compulsive one, stood up in the midst of of the 120 that were gathered in the upper room, and he and he said, "You know what? Uh, we need to we need to find someone to fill Judas' position because uh, you know there's 11, and and there needs to be 12 of us, and and 
And so they started, you know, considering uh, how are we going to select someone to, to replace Judas? And it, we can see here that in the 24th verse it says, And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen. Now, so there were, there were two candidates that, that were brought before the early church leaders. And, but, you know, they just, you know, didn't randomly pick the, the one that was the most popular or, or, or maybe the one that would make their group, you know, more impactful or, or more influential. You know, now they're at the place that, you know, they're realizing, you know, we have really got to seek the heart and the mind of God in order to get the right person in the right place. And, and so they did, and they, they prayed in regards to who should be a part of leadership, who should be uh, a one that would represent us and, and represent us to the community and, and, and have the heart to take care of, of the believers and, and, and really have a heart to, to reach out to, to those in the community that don't know Christ and, and who's qualified and, and who would be that. I, I believe that there were multitudes and multitudes of people that followed Jesus for three years. I don't think it was just the 12. I, you know, scripture talks about the 70 and the 120 and that he appointed and anointed them to go and do the works. But I think literally the numbers are, are quite large. And so I, I think one of the criteria is, is who's been hanging around. I mean, who shows up all the time? Who's always faithful? Who's, who's here? Who's committed? Uh, who's willing to go the second mile? Who have we seen consistently over, you know, Jesus' ministry? You know, leadership is not a light thing in, in, any, in, in, in any sector of society. It's not small because everything rises and falls on leadership. You have the, the right leadership in a school district. It makes a difference. And in business, it makes a difference. In the church, definitely it makes a difference. In government, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Leaders make a difference. And leaders aren't leaders just because they're most popular or because they're most gifted or they're most talented. The best leaders are the ones that have been proven, that have been tested, that have been tried, and have the character qualities that people can respect. It's so important that, that leaders are respected because if people do not respect leadership, they're not going to listen to leadership. And so they have to be people that, that have certain qualities. And scripture talks very specifically about those qualities and about those characteristics. And so I want to encourage you that each and every one you have a sphere of influence somewhere. Somewhere you have a sphere of influence. You say, well, I'm just a mom. You're not just a mom and never say you're just a mom. That is, the, that is one of the greatest privileges to raise children that God has ever bestowed upon humanity. To be called a mom or a dad is one of the greatest honors that has ever been given unto us. I, years ago, that there was a, uh, a young uh, a girl in, in the church and, and had several children and, and she just you know, had a heart for God, had a heart for the world, had a, uh, you know, just, but the season in which she was in, she was, she was nurturing and she was raising children. And she just felt almost like that was like subpar. It, it, and I remember her setting up an appointment and talking and, and, and sort of sharing her own personal struggles with just, you know, 
what do I do with all of these other desires and what do I, how do I see them fulfilled? And I, I look up every day and, you know, just like go, go, go and do, do, do. At the end of the day, I'm exhausted and, and, you know, I'm sort of enjoying hearing her talk about all of that. And at the end of it, I must have had that little boyish smile on my face. And she said, what are you smiling about? I said, you just described one of the greatest responsibilities in life. I, I hope you talked yourself into valuing what God has given unto you as a parent. And she said, you know, I, I guess I never really looked at it that way. And I said, oh, there'll be a day that you wish those pitter-patter of little feet were around and uh, those little noses to clean and little diapers to change or messes to take care of or memories or because it, it, it slips by so quickly. It slips by so quickly. I said, you know, the world's going to still be there. Africa's still going to be there. Zambia's going to be there. You know, Australia's going to be there. But your children, your children, those little ones underneath your feet, that's a ministry within itself. So your leading is where that all began. Your leading. And uh, I just want to just uh, encourage you in that. And, and you may not feel like you're... you're you know, that much of an influencer, but greater is he that's still in you than he that's in the world. And you, you and Jesus are a majority. And you, you have great, great opportunities to influence people for the glory of God. You can uh, fast forward into chapter 6 and verse 6 and, and on your own and as well into chapter 14. You know what was happening in chapter 6? Problem. <coughs> Problems. Problems. Wherever you have a bunch of people, you have the potential for a lot of problems because you have a lot more opinions. <laughs> Most of you are silent on that. You're like, no, I just, I don't even know if I agree with that or I, I, I don't even know if I can relate to that, but it's true. It's more, it, it's true. And so there was a group of people that felt like, you know, they, they were being overlooked and devalued and they complained to the leadership and and so there was another layer of leadership added in Acts chapter 6. It really talks about the qualities of those that would be serving in leadership. I want you to read that and consider the qualities that the early church leaders were looking for when they were appointing people to serve food. To represent the Lord well when they were serving food to the widows. There was a certain criteria they had to meet. It wasn't just a warm body that was available. There was certain criteria. And I, I, I think that warm bodies are good. Everybody starts somewhere. You know how I got started in ministry was there was a need and I was willing to help serve. And, and by, by my willingness to help serve, I, I sort of found where I fit over a period of, of a process of elimination. And I found out, you know, where it, it, where I could function and where there was grace for me, but I was willing to do anything and everything. See, that's where it first starts is a willingness. And, and at 13 years of age, when there was a work day at the church, I was there. When, when I was 14, 15, 16, whatever was going on in the church, and I was available to help because I needed to learn and grow. I, I didn't grow up in the church. There was so many things that were new and but on top of all that, the, the thing that was the most significant, impactful, and the most influential in my life were the people that I hung out with at the church and 
they, they helped shape me. They helped. They spoke to me. They welcomed me. They, they interacted with me. And so that, that you know, uh, that was impactful. Impactful. Uh, Jimmy Bratcher and I talk occasionally about leadership, uh, the subject matter of leadership. And we're going to transition here because we're going to have time to pray here in a few minutes. But uh, one of the things that that we say, and and Jimmy and I, when we talk about this, the number one thing that that we sort of agree on when it when it comes to leadership is there's there's two qualities that Scripture talks about that are like very very significant. One, One is loyalty. Loyalty is a, is a big thing in the kingdom of God. Just, just people being loyal. And uh, the second thing is like truth or trustworthiness. Like uh, people are saying what they're going to do and do what they're going to say. And those two qualities are, are really huge. But the thing that we always come back to and, and always sort of resonates with, with him and I is we had no idea because we were both saved at the same time. Jimmy's, uh, I think, nine years older than I, nine or ten years older than I am. And so in 1976, in the same season, and there was a, a real uh, awakening going on in our nation spiritually in the 70s. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people were coming out of mainline denominational churches that had sort of flatlined. They weren't, there was no spiritual vibrancy in their churches and they were being born again and filled with the spirit and coming into these new fellowships that were being formed. And, and that's, that's the season in which this church had its origins and, uh, and uh, was that we just, he calls it the ministry of showing up. And that's, we had no idea that we would be in ministry. That wasn't even something that we were aspiring to or desiring. But there was just something within us that we couldn't articulate in speech. But it was like, this is where I belong. This is what I'm a part of. This is the camp and the company that I'm to fellowship with. This is where my iron gets sharpened. This is where I, I grow. This is where I learn. This is where I get instructed. This is where I understand the value of discipline. All of those things. And uh, then uh, and prayer was a part of it. Prayer was a, an integral part of of all of those, all of those things. So you can just read through. I I, uh, I want to skip down, for time's sake, and go to uh, number four, and we're going to be looking at at missions. So chapter thirteen in verse three. And let's just begin at verse 1 because it verses 1 through 3 all flow together. It says, Now in the church there was at, at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and then Barnabas, Simeon, and there was Niger, and Lucius, and Cyrene, Menin, 
and who had been brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So we can see that, that there was a, a, a group of, of, of committed and dedicated prophets and teachers that were, were gathering together. And they got together for the sole purpose of just seeking God, ministering to the Lord. And in that environment, the Holy Spirit manifested himself and identified two out of the five. And, and, and then it, and they'd all called, all of them are, are doing ministry. They're either prophetic or they're teaching. So all of them are functioning within a capacity of leadership. All of them have a call, but now they're being separated to begin to travel. So all of the work at this point in time was primarily going on in, in local churches. The, the missional part of the church is about to be born, and it's born in an environment where people are just genuinely seeking God. They're just, God, what do you want to do? God, we're available. God, we're willing. And, and God, we just want to minister. We just want your will. We just dedicate ourselves and consecrate ourselves to you. And I, I'm not sure that it wouldn't do the church some good to, to do some more of that. And to get the mind of God and to get the, the heart of God. And then to understand in that environment, the Holy Spirit can begin to identify. It's time for this person and this person and that person and this person to start doing this, to start doing that, to start doing this. It's interesting, and I'm going to close on this, but throughout the years, and it's just part of the way that God has used me, and I'm humbled by it, and of course, he initiates it, and I, I sort of sort of sense him prompting and directing me, but you know, throughout the years, uh, he's led and directed me in many, many, many times into people's lives, and... Um, and initially, I, I may not understand how it, all the conversations are going to happen or how they're all going to, uh, you know, transpire. But I have a sense that, that I'm supposed to be supporting that person, a part of that person's life, uh, speaking uh, into that person's life. And, uh, and, and through that, and through that, the Holy Spirit is able to reveal truth unto that individual. And... Uh, and it's not just me just sort of, you know, picking out who I'd like to pick out. Or, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a, a prime example of this. Um, because of the complexity of what our, our sound system is today, there was a time where it was a little simpler to operate when we were in the analog age. Now we're in the digital age. And so digital has its, its own challenges within it. And we have two really, you know, we had two really good sound techs. And we had Josh and uh, that we have all deemed, you know, highly competent and Josh, Josh Humphreys and Josh Meyer. So you have, you have Jimmy Neutron in, in Josh Meyer, and then, you, and then you have Einstein in Josh Humphreys, and both of these guys are right. But we needed a third person 
And I'd pray, 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 pray. And then I'd, you know, just sort of make it available, put something there. But I was praying one day, and Zach came, just clear as a bell, like, man, Zach, Zach is sharp. I mean, I could see Zach. I could see Zach at doing what he's doing right now. It's just clear as a bell. And, uh, but, you know, you always have to prove things out. I'm not God. I'm just a man. But I had that sense in prayer consistently. You know, Lord, there's a need. And we need someone in leadership in that capacity. Josh Humphrey, how many of you know that Josh Humphreys and like the Joe Lads and Reva, Reva travels 80 miles to come to church. I mean, the Humphreys come from a distance. So, you know, you understand what I'm saying here is that I said, and I was specific, Lord, we need someone like in our backyard. And like tonight, Josh Meyer, he's next door helping with the youth. He's, he's helping somewhere almost every service. And... And so I just, I asked Zach. And I, and not only was it good, I believe, for Zach, because if you get to know Zach, he's a terrific person to get to know. But it's good for the two Joshes. Like those three, the chemistry between them, the respect, the camaraderie. And you know, you know what that is? That's God knitting people together. That, that's not natural. That's spiritual. That's... They'll have relationships for the rest of their lives. They'll, they'll share common things together. Why? Because they're working together. They're serving together. They're, they're doing something for God. Where does all of that begin? Where do all of those God ideas come? They come from prayer. They come from prayer. And if you look back, you'd be surprised how many times if you just simply commit your day, your time, your gifts, your talents your resources into the hands of God. How many times he's led you and guided you? Isn't that wonderful? And then you look back and you say, yeah, that was God. That was Because, you know, at times, you know, we wonder, is that pepperoni pizza? Is that, you know, I didn't get enough sleep? And then it just keeps staying with you. And then, and so, uh, Zach didn't mean to put the white light on you. But, sorry, bro, put the white light on you. All right. And uh, <laughs> don't say my name. Don't say my name. Don't say my name. Yeah. And, uh. Do you know what movie that's from? The Little Rascals. The Little Rascals. Yeah, and Alfalfa was, was yeah, he, uh, who was he going after? Darla. Yeah. And Darla was singing in the, and, and she was, and, uh, and they were in the same singing contest. And Alf, it was Alfalfa's turn to sing. And Darla was in the audience, and he said, I want to dedicate this song to my darling. She says, don't say my name, don't say my name, don't say my name. Darla. And he sang. Oh, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641 828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.